Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun to ride and sing in a one-horse open sleigh. Right, we are here. This is a special edition of the Pac-Man Podcast, a Christmas edition. I'm here with my lovely wife, Natasha, and we're going to... Uh, do a show that's kind of Christmas themed. When you say, honey, you're going to read from a book called The uh, the Candy Can- Legend of the Candy Can. Yes, I think it'll be um, very beautiful for the season. Written by Lori Wahlberg. We'll get to that in a second. You know, the 12 Days of Christmas, I've been doing this, uh, the origins of the 12 Days, for, for how many years? Since I've been in radio going back to, the, I guess, the 90s, maybe even further. I remember you kept uh, a little card in your wallet. And um, it's probably still in there. I'm not sure. Do you know if it's still there? <laughs> if it is, it's the only thing in there. Uh, it's kind of frayed. It's kind of faded. And uh, so I, I've gone online. This was the days before we had computers. Now I can go online and, and I reference this this piece here by uh, – it's from Good Housekeeping from December 13th of this year. So it's been updated. A piece written by Katie Burke and Annie O'Sullivan. It's Catholic in its origin. And there's a Scottish version, and there's an English version. All right, we are <laughs> going to begin the 12 days of Christmas, referenced in the carol, referenced the 12 days following Christmas, also known as 12-tide in Christianity. The period begins with the birth of Christ, December 25th. There's some you know, dispute over whether the 25th was his actual birth, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, and it ends with the coming of the three wise men on January 6th, which that date has taken a different significance in the last couple oh, of years. Goodness, thanks but to Trump. The, yeah, the, the real January 6th is Little Christmas or the Epiphany, as my mother used to yes, she did. reference it. You know, we're, we're, I was raised Catholic, my mother very Catholic. Your mother always kept her Christmas tree up. Until January 6th. Hmm. We keep it up yes. till what, March 6th, right? But it was just so wonderful to, to go to your, your mom and dad's house and see that that tree was still going. It was still Christmas. You know, do you remember years ago, I happened to say Merry Christmas to someone at church, mm-hmm. at, a, at a church we oh, were yeah. attending years <laughs> ago. It was it was maybe two or three days after Christmas. Yeah, I remember. And I just happened to, you know, I was just... Uh, still in the Christmas spirit, sure. and I said, "Merry Christmas" to this individual, and he turned to me and said, "Christmas is over." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's an old Protestant. I that's mean- why. <laughs> Christmas is over. We won't mention names, but he was about ninety then. But and we love the handshake yeah. on that. Oh my gosh, man! Oh, he was. Uh, he's still he around. Was I bet a you. lovely man. He, he's. Uh, he, I. I guarantee you, he's still. He's still living and breathing. Strong. I mean, when he shook your hand. You were shaken. Yeah, it got he shook. Shook yeah. you. Yeah. And I mean, he was a farmer and just a, he was a godly. Yes, he was. And yep. wonderful man. He probably still is. I, we don't know that he's passed, but anyway, um, the Feast of the Epiphany, January 6th, or I didn't know this, the Three Kings Day, the weeks before Christmas are known as Advent, as we know. Oh, yeah. Hence the creation of Advent calendars, which we have. Our, our children have Advent calendars, calendars, each one of them, right? Yes. Okay. All right. The original lyrics, the four calling birds, were actually four collie birds. The term collie is Old English a slang for blackbirds. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. In uh, other old versions of the song, the partridge we all know and love is replaced with a very pretty peacock upon a pear tree. And there's also a Scottish version that gifts 
an Arabian baboon. It wasn't until 1909 that British composer Frederick Austin penned the version of the lyrics that we are all familiar with today. Most historians believe that the Christmas Carol started out as a memory and forfeit game in 1800s England. These types of games were played by British school children, and the rules were simple. When it's your turn, you repeat all the previously sung lyrics and add in the next one. If you can't remember a verse, you owe your opponent a forfeit, which was usually usually a kiss or a piece of candy. Okay, that's a little background. Let's get to the 12 days. Now, Snopes doubts the, the origins of the uh, 12 days, but we're not going to get into Snopes because there are a couple of uh, non-Christians, we'll say, from out in California. Okay, there's a theory floating around. During that time when Christians were punished for worshiping openly the 12 days of Christmas, the song was used to secretly pass on the ideology of Christianity. And so each gift on the list symbolizes a different aspect of the Christian faith. We'll begin with number 12, and we'll work backwards. The 12 drummers drumming are the 12 points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. Now, you know all this. I, I know the you, song. And, you I've know, done this enough times. I've heard you do this on air year yeah. after year yeah. after year, but, you know, it, it's good to go back to get over refreshed. it. Sure. Uh, the 11 pipers piping are the 11 faithful apostles. The 10 lords a-leaping are the 10 commandments. Nine ladies dancing are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. The eight maids a-milking are the eight beatitudes. The seven swans a-swimming, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the seven sacraments, again, if you're Catholic. The six geese a-laying are the six days of creation. The five golden rings, I want to break out in song, don't you? You don't want to, it's kind of late. Five golden rings are the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Four calling birds are the four gospels and or the four evangelists. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, mm-hmm. and Acts. Uh, the three French hens, faith, hope, and charity, the theological virtues. Mm. Two turtle doves, the Old and New Testaments. Oh. And the partridge in a pear tree is Jesus Christ. It is, it's beautiful. That is so beautiful, isn't it? It is. It is it's wonderful. So, I, you know, and, and here's, there's another fun fact about the 12 days of Christmas. Again, we're, we're working from the, uh, a piece in The Good Housekeeping, and it's uh, – do we need to go into the fun facts? We're kind of pressed for time. Let's, let's, that's, that's the story of the yeah. 12 days of yeah. Christmas. Let's uh, read from a book by uh, – I think I mentioned her name at the beginning. Her name is um, Lori Wahlberg. All right. This is from Lori Wahlberg, and it's called The Legend of the Candy Cane. Why don't you read – for us, you do so well, and I'll try to stay awake. You used to maybe, read me to sleep. Maybe Remember? we can take turns. Oh, we'll take turns. All okay. Right. It, this book was so beautiful. I got it from our local library, The Legend of the Candy Cane, the inspirational story of our favorite Christmas candy by Lori Wahlberg with some beautiful illustrations by James Bernardin, if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. One dreary evening in the depths of November, a stranger rode into town. He stopped his horse in front of a lonely storefront. The windows were boarded shut and the door was locked fast. But the man looked at it, smiled, and said, It will do. All through the gray short days and the long dark nights of November, the man worked. The townspeople could hear the faint 
pam, pam, pam of his hammer and the snish, snish, snish of his saw. They could smell the sweet, clean scent of new lumber and the deep, oily smell of new paint. But no one knew who the man was or what he was doing. The mayor hoped he was a doctor to heal his illness. The young wives hoped he was a tailor to make beautiful dresses. The farmers hoped he was a trader to exchange their grain for goods. But the children, the children had the strongest, deepest wish of all, a wish they did not tell their parents, a deep, quiet, secret wish that none of them said out loud. No one spoke to the man. No one asked if he needed help. They just waited and watched and wondered and wished. But one small girl watched and wondered, waited and wished longer than she could stand. And one snowy day, she knocked at the stranger's door. Hello, she said. My name is Lucy. Do you need some help? The man smiled warmly and nodded. Then he opened the door and Lucy stepped inside. The long counter ran down the side of the room. Bare shelves filled the opposite walls. In the back were dozens and dozens of barrels and crates. Could you help me unpack? the man asked. Lucy's heart sank at the sight of all the boxes. What if they were only barrels of nails and bags of flour? But she removed her dripping boots and hung her coat on a peg. On stocking feet, she crossed the rough wooden floor and knelt beside a crate. Please, open it, the man urged. Slowly, Lucy put her hand into the box and pulled out an object wrapped in tissue. Round and heavy, it almost slipped through her fingers. Lucy trembled a little as she unwrapped it. It was a glass jar. Lucy gave the man a puzzled look. Go on, his nod seemed to say. So she unpacked another glass jar and another and another until she was completely surrounded by jars of all shapes and sizes, tall and thin, round and squat, jars with lids and jars without. Now, the man said, for something to put inside. And he pulled over a huge crate stamped with a strange word. As Lucy unpacked, her eyes lit up. It was candy, her favorite candy, gumdrops. Try some, the man said. She popped one in her mouth. Now she could hardly unwrap fast enough peppermint sticks, taffy, lollipops, chewing gum. Wide-eyed, she looked at the man. We wished, Lucy said. Yes, I know. Yes, I know, said the man. And here it is. Welcome to Sonneman's Candy Store. I am John Sonneman. Soon the small store was filled with candies gleaming in their glass jars. Raspberry suckers and tiny lemon drops, brightly colored jawbreakers and long tangles of licorice, pink and white peppermints for church, and butterscotch balls for company. Then in the very last package, in the very last crate, was a candy Lucy had never before seen, a red and white striped candy stick with a crook on the end. 
What is this? Lucy asked. This, Mr. Sonneman explained, is a candy cane. It is a very special Christmas candy. Why? Lucy asked. Tell me, Mr. Sonneman said, what letter does it look like? Lucy took the candy and turned it in her hand. J, she said. Yes, Mr. Sonneman smiled. J for Jesus, who was born on Christmas Day. Now turn it over. What does it remind you of? Lucy turned the candy in her hand. She peered down intently. I know, she said finally. It's like a shepherd's staff. Who were the first to find out about Jesus, about Jesus' birth? Mr. Sonneman asked. Shepherds in the field, Lucy answered, watching over their flocks by night. But Mr. Sonneman, what are the stripes for? Lucy asked. The man's eyes grew sad. The prophet Isaiah said, By his stripes we are healed. Before he died on the cross, Jesus was whipped. He bled terribly. The red reminds us of his suffering and his blood. But then, Mr. Sonneman continued, the candy is white as well. When we give our lives to Jesus, his blood washes away our sins, making us white and pure as snow. That, he said, is the story of the candy cane. Is it a secret, Lucy asked? Mr. Sonneman looked at her for a long moment. It's a story that needs to be told, he said. Will you help me share it? It was now the depths of December. The town was whipped round by blizzard winds. For days the sun hid itself. But every morning Mr. Sonneman and Lucy ventured out. They wore heavy woolen coats and bright hand-knit scarves, and in their stiff mittened fingers they each held a bag. They went to every house in town. They traveled to every farm in the country. They knocked on every door. In every home they told the story. They left a small gift, and they gave an invitation. On the afternoon of Christmas Eve, the sun finally broke through the clouds, and Sonneman's candy store officially opened. The mayor came, feeling better than he'd felt in days. The young wives came, dressed in beautiful smiles. The farmers came, eager to trade grain for Christmas gifts. The children ran in dizzy circles. Yes, their wish had come true. Yes, they had come to share in the opening of the candy store. But they shared something more, something bigger, something better. On that Christmas Eve, they shared the story of the candy cane. They told of the miracle of Christ's birth the misery of his death, and the mercy of his love. There you have it. That's it. Isn't that the beautiful, that's a beautiful story, the story of the candy cane. Again, by um, the legend of the candy cane by uh, Lori Wahlberg. Yes. All right, honey, thank you very much. We have a, a message for the folks out there. I mean, it's, it's Christmas. We're not going to do this for 10, 12 days. We have a little hiatus. I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. God bless you. That goes for me, too. And for Madeline, who was unable to join us, she's been really, really busy with school and uh, other uh, projects. But uh, from all of us here at the Flint family, have a blessed Christmas and a safe and joyous New Year. And we'll talk to you after January 1st.
Black Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to thebmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. Thank you.